Hi everyone, I'm Jenna Poff-Gray, founder and artistic director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 31 of Theatre Forward. And this week we have a special conversation with a special guest, member of our advisory company and Broadway star, Ms. Karen Olivo. Hi, Karen. Hi. I should I should probably, in full disclosure, say you are also my sister-in-law. Yes, you should say that. So when, when we start, you know, jointly mocking my little brother slash your husband, it will make more sense. <laughs> we we'll horrible people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, thank you so much for joining us to uh, to do this episode. Yep. Um, it's ironic because you live down the street from me, and you know we're both in our own houses and not able to uh, to hang out in person. But at least this way, I'm seeing a little more of your face. <laughs> um, so I guess the first thing I would just ask is, how are you doing? How has this last month plus been for you? Uh, has it been a month? That's uh, oh yeah, more than <laughs> all the days are the same. Um, I think I go day to day. So today is pretty good. Um, you know, they're not all like that. Um, I'm just trying to stay busy and stay connected to my industry in some capacity, um, and doing a lot of housework. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I, I sincerely doubt that there are a lot of listeners to this podcast who don't know this already, but when, um, theaters started shutting down, uh, and, and all of the, the current COVID-19 related crisis, uh, was upon us, you were starring as Satine in Moulin Rouge on Broadway, and you'd been there since last summer in New York, and, and um, you know, with my brother flying back and forth to see you from time to time. Um, so living really um, in, a, in a very specific uh, circumstance in our industry, you know, starring in a Broadway show, what what was it like? I mean, you were one of the first shows, I believe, to start canceling performances. Yes, we were the first show, actually. Yeah. And it had to do with the fact that we had someone in our company who became symptomatic. Yeah. So we, um, you know, it was weird. I, I was looking at the calendar and I, I think my last show as Satine was March 8th. So mm. that would have been a Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt fine. And I thought it was just, you know, the beginning of my basically weekend. And, um, and then I felt ill on the 11th. So I didn't actually go in to work, uh, on our Tuesday show, uh, sorry, our Wednesday show. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, it was very strange. We, one the, the company member that fell ill is a friend of mine. So he had texted me before there was any sort of conversation with our producers or anything like that. And I, I credit our producers in um, doing the right thing in closing our show for that day. We have matinee, we have a matinee and an evening show on Thursdays instead of the traditional Wednesday schedule. And um, anyone who knows anything about Broadway, uh, it really does take an act of God to not do the show. Um, and so when they called both of those shows, we realized as a company, wow, this really is important. 
um, or else they wouldn't be doing this. And then uh, I think that that sent a pretty wide message to the, the rest of the Broadway community. Um, it so happens that, you know, that one company member turned into two that day of feeling symptomatic. And then shortly after that, we all uh, started falling ill in some way, um, showing symptoms. And so I would say uh, most of us have been tested. I have not been tested because I left New York the day that they shut down Broadway. Um, my, my actor brain and long life theater person brain was like, oh, the world is ending if they're shutting down Broadway. So I got out of New York immediately. I was smart. I put a mask on. Um, I stayed as far as, as far away from people as I could on the flight and, um, and got back to Wisconsin because I figured if something this deep was going to shut down my industry, I probably wanted to be as close to my family as possible. And you really self-isolated then for weeks and weeks after that. I, mean, I know having helped with the groceries. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, to, like I, I, today is the first day that I even went out into public. I was at Costco. Uh, but I have not had symptoms for over two and a half weeks now. So, um, and I was lucky. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, all of the regular symptoms, the, the splitting headache, the loss of sense, the temperature, the body aches. I didn't have the stomach problems, but my husband, Jim, your brother had those, those symptoms. Um, but we were lucky. I mean, two people from our company ended up being hospitalized because of it. And, um, and most of us ended up having milder symptoms than those two. Yeah. You, um, I, I know you and I had both, uh, seen, but it's now out publicly, uh, you know, your co-star Danny Burstein, who was one of my oldest friends. Um, I directed him in a workshop of a musical like 20 something years ago um, and truly one of the best humans on the planet. He was one of the hospitalized cast members. Thank God that he is, is home and, and recovering. But um, he wrote a stunning personal account of what the experience of being in the hospital in New York City with this disease was like. Um, it was pretty harrowing to read. Uh, I don't know if I could have read it, uh, except that I knew he was home and getting better. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, this, I mean, this has to have been a really just incredibly scary and surreal time. Are you and the rest of your cast keeping in touch? Are you chatting? We have a group thread that we've always had since we were like early in like tech. Um, so we were, you know, as they shut things down, we were keeping in touch with, with each other through the thread. And um, when he went into the hospital, the only way that we could figure out what was going on with him. The only way we even knew, uh, as well as Tam Mutu, who is my other co-star who went into the hospital, was through that thread. Um, and it's funny, you know, funny, it's, it's strange. Tam went in to the hospital, um, and that was really sort of shortly after we had shut down Broadway. And we were all sort of um, still in the joking mood. And while he was in the hospital, we decided, you know what, wouldn't it be great if we FaceTimed with him just to like keep his spirits up? And I remember that FaceTime of all of us, you know, you on a group thread, you just hit the, the FaceTime thing and anyone who wants to join who's on the thread shows up. Um, and we all were like smiling and happy and like, oh my God, hey, what's up? And then when his face showed up and he was in a hospital bed, 
all of our faces started to like fall and it, there was no ability for being actors. We were doing a horrible job of, of cheering him up, but a lot of us were just sort of like, oh my God, this is real. You're in a, like, you're, you're IV, there's, this is something that is happening in this moment. And um, I've never been so grateful for social media and technology because that was his only connection to any of us. Um, and then the same with Danny. I mean, with Danny, he was getting oxygen, so we couldn't really FaceTime with him, and he was much worse than Tam was. Um, at points, you know, Danny had said, I'd, I'd love to chat with you, but I can't. I'm just working on getting air. So um, it was daily texts. I was waiting on a daily text from, Tam, from Danny. Um, and the days that they didn't come, uh, I got immediately worried. I remember even actually calling a co- um, my other co-star and saying, he hasn't texted today. Uh, does, what does that mean? <laughs> um, because we really did think, I mean, or at least I did, I really thought we were going to lose Danny. Um, there are a handful of texts of him saying, I'm not, I'm not doing too well. And you know, if you know, Danny, Danny's Mr. Positivity, <laughs> you know, he's always like, we're going to get through it. And to have him admit that he was, uh, scared really did sort of uh, bring things to a very uh, serious place for me. Yeah. So with the, with your company and all of the, um, the rest of your castmates that you're in touch with physical health aside, and, you know, it sounds like, you know, many members of the company were ill, but everyone seems to be kind of coming out the other, the other side of that, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of our profession, this is a terrifying time for people who make theater because we, we, we can't be together and we're still waiting to see how things evolve for when we can be together again. And, and how is everybody holding up? I mean, the, the economic insecurity, the waiting, to, the fact that we all are on hold waiting to see what's going to happen next. Um, how, how are you coping? How are, how are your castmates coping? Well, our group thread went from, updates about how their health, how Danny and Tam's health was to, um, sharing symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, when people would get their test results back, it became about that. And then after that, it became about how do we get unemployment? Like we were trading information about how long it took for some people to get in, uh, get their claims, uh, finished. And, um, and then at one point, the thread became about how do we remember the show? How do we keep it in our bodies? How do we keep this machine um, able to jump in? Because we didn't know when we were gonna be asked to come back. Mm -hmm. um, and that became the talk of our thread. And then, um, then there was a long period of, what are you drinking today? <laughs> um, uh, and I think for me, quite frankly, I'm. I went through a whole, I would say about a week of, oh, I, I'm not an actor anymore. Like that, my, the job in my industry has changed so drastically. Should I actually be looking to, um, to hone a practical skill that will help whatever world we, we end up with? Um, and I think in lots of ways, some of my other 
uh, castmates thought the same. I, and as artists too, I think we're all sort of grappling with what does it look like when we actually do start to reassemble? Um, because it's it, as essential as we feel for humanity and for the world, I don't think that we're really high up on the list as far as um, getting things going again for our industry. Um, so a lot of people have turned to, you know, a digital form of entertainment, which, uh, which I think is knee jerk. Mm -hmm. And it's also, you know, we're hustlers by nature actors, you know, we, we are constantly looking for the next gig because that's how we survive. And it's very hard to remove us from that mindset, especially in a time of crisis, mm -hmm. um, because that's our bread and butter is us making something. And so I think with so much economic uncertainty, most artists are sort of freaking out and trying to figure out how the digital world will accomplish what the theatrical world accomplished for them. Um, some with, with a lot of tact and some without. And also, you know, some people are just like, I don't know what to do with myself. Watch me brush my teeth. You know, <laughs> we we're running the gamut. And I think that there's also the need to be, you know, we're constantly in a spotlight, surrounded by people interacting. Um, and then you remove all of that. And for a lot of us, where is the audience? Where is that like, that, um, that drug, truthfully, mm -hmm. of, uh, of the connection to an audience. It's not an easy thing to kick, especially when you're in quarantine. Yeah. It shows itself in so many different ways. Yeah. And it, it's been fascinating to me to watch um, this conversation happening in, in real time in our industry uh, over this last month as everybody's figuring out what we could slash should be doing right now. Um, and as you said, there've been some artists and arts organizations that have thrown themselves into creating digital content. There's also been a lot of think pieces shared about um, this is terrible because theater on, on screens is never going to be real theater. So why are we doing this? And then people pushing back against that and saying, come on, this is something that we can do to contribute and back and forth and back and forth. And, um, you know, we've certainly talked about it a ton here at Forward, you know, trying to figure out for ourselves, what is the right amount of being present, being um, open and in communication with our audience without overwhelming them. Um, we've also been really committed to, um, it, it's wonderful to be able to show um, what our artists are doing in conversations like this one on the podcast or some of the Facebook live chats that we're doing on Sundays on our Facebook page. But also, um, you know, if, if I'm going to ask an artist to perform to create content for our company, then I, then we have to pay them. Right. And so figuring out, and that, and we may do more of that in the coming year. Uh, you know, all things are on the table. Um, but the last thing we want this uh, period of time to be about is just getting artists to do a whole bunch of their work without compensation, because we fight hard enough for compensation for artists in in regular times. And if anything, it's needed more more than ever. And it's so just at, it 
there hasn't been another situation like this in my lifetime that I can think of that caused such um, intense scrutiny of, of who we are and what we do and how we do it across the entire industry. I mean, of course, you know, the economic downturn in, in 2008 into 2009, there was a lot of soul searching then, but it was played out at a sort of differing pace for different companies. Obviously, 9-11 was a big one, and I was living in New York then, but, you know, there was the sense of, and now we all have to get back to doing what we were doing, you know, within a few days. So this is, this sustained period of having to stop doing what we normally do and think about what we do next is just, it really feels unprecedented. And um, there was something, I think I texted this to you the other day, but um, Evan Cabinet at, at uh, Lincoln Center uh, tweeted something that just delighted me because I've been a little dismayed at the amount of back and forth, especially on social media between theater makers of, we must move things online. We mustn't move things online. Don't do this, do do that. And um, I, I just love this, I had to write it down. He said, I'd love it if we theater people would call a temporary truce and not feel inclined to tell anyone uh, else what they should or shouldn't be doing with their days. Our only job right now is to stay healthy and sane. Everything else falls under special skills, <laughs> which anybody who's ever looked at an actor's resume knows that special skills is the little line at the bottom where you just put other things that you can do. Right. Um, and I, I loved that because I, I don't think we're far enough into this process to know what the quote unquote right way to handle this situation is. Um, and so for those who've got art they want to make and things they want to say and a, and a way of putting it out into the world, great. And for those who don't, fine, you know, and we will yeah. figure this out one day at a time. Yeah, I feel, I, I, it feels a little bit like, um, in the same way that, you know, I keep saying it's day to day, I kind of feel like it's that game of um, it's like improv that you where you're sort of like if you have the idea you throw your hand up and you jump in. I really do feel like collectively this is just like one big improv. And those of you who have an idea that is inspired and you think it's going to forward something, then throw your hand up and jump in. If not, just sit in the back and wait for you to get wait to get inspiration. Um, but there is a bit, you know you know, theater owners and theater producers are trying to keep their audience engaged. Mm -hmm. And so what we're finding is that we are being, um, in, a, in a very interesting and roundabout way, being asked to keep them relevant. And what that does to me, I mean, for a lot of people that says, oh, great, gives me something to do in the day. But what I'm realizing as someone who's been in the business for far too many years is that that producer or that theater owner needs me in a way that they don't show. I don't think that the, the, the theatrical system, um, specifically Broadway, values the artist in the way that it should. If they did, as theater ticket prices go up, our salaries would be hiking as well, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I'm seeing is you need me more now because I'm the only thing that you have. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, you know, there's a media fee that we've, you know, Actors' Equity has put into all of our contracts that has, has been such a huge topic of conversation. And in these moments in which we are creating content on our own you know, social media 
accounts, it's very easy for those people to take that and rebrand it and put it out into the world. And then that becomes advertisement for them. And I understand the business aspect of that. But I also think in this time in which we have been underserved as artists for so long, we really have to be careful about what we're giving away for free. And this is the time, if any, for us, if you feel like nervous in the sense, like, I, I just need to do something great, do it and send it to your friends put it on a private group and send it to your friends. But let, let's let not start giving away the art for free because we really do need to re-examine the structure mm-hmm. of theater. Um, yeah. There was, you know, you spoke a little bit about that piece. There was um, a piece that I think it was like remembering assembly and there, there were two pieces. One, they were both put up on, um, I think it was medium. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong, but um, the, the response from one of uh, the people was about, you know, let's not shame the artists who are putting out content because the truth is the theater has not really invited everyone for many years because ticket prices have priced out a whole group of people who need to be in the theater. And I know that. I mean, Moulin Rouge is such a high price ticket that I, it's very rare that I look out there and see anyone who looks like me, (laughs) you know? And so that's a really valid point. And I think that if we can take this time to really like look at the structure and try to figure out, and I'm not just talking artists, I'm talking about theater owners and theater producers. We can really look at it and be like, hey, you know what? There is a way for us, if this medium exists, maybe there's a way for us to include more people. Mm-hmm. And maybe we don't need a bigger chunk of the pie so we can buy our third home in the Hamptons. Maybe we actually should be paying these people who we need more desperately than ever. Um, I also think it's also a time for artists to start thinking as a collective. When the doors do open up, don't be the first one to be like, I'll do anything. Mm-hmm. You can't be that person. You, you, you know, it really does feel like we need to start thinking more of ourselves as one big group of people who offer something that no one can quantify. And if we move together as one, then we'll be able to sort of uh, raise, raise more awareness when it comes to like our job security in times like these and, and what gets produced and how we're treated in the room and, um, profit sharing and things that are really, really important. Let's not be so eager because we're so eager to get in the spotlight and have someone look at us that we throw all of our bargaining power out. You know, um, I think that there's a, a message for stillness in this moment. Uh, yes. Are you scared? Great. You're going to be the person, if you're an artist, you're going to be the person who's going to like figure out the lens in which you can transform everything. So get your thoughts together, write them down, start really being more uh, strategic about what you're doing with your art. Karen Olivo for president. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can I, I like, I want to burst into applause right now. I mean, that's the thing It's you know, and this is something, you know, because you're on the advisory company at forward, you have an inside look at the way we think about things here. And these issues are things we've thought about prior to all of this, in large part because we're, we're so cognizant of the vulnerability of the freelance artists that we depend on as a regional theater company to do our work. 
you know, we have a, a small but mighty staff sort of running the operations. And then we have the hundred something freelance artists that we hire every year and we can't do our work. We can't, you know, share art with the community without the work of all of those artists. And we can do everything possible on our end to raise pay rates and, you know, to, to, to honor all the contracts in this, you know, chaotic situation that we're lucky enough to be in a position to do that. But the vulnerability of all of these artists, that, that their healthcare, if they're fortunate enough to be a member of the union, is so dependent on the paid weeks of work. You know, the number of people that I know personally who a show got canceled because of coronavirus and they lost paid weeks of work and therefore are they going to be eligible for health benefits next year? It is so appalling that that is the situation in which our um, freelance artists find themselves and that there are so few protections even if you are in the union and if you are not in the union, forget it. You have so little protection in, in circumstances, even if they're not as dire as the current ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that I'm unsympathetic because I am sympathetic to companies um, that unlike forward weren't able to honor contracts for work that didn't happen because I know how close to the bone so many nonprofit arts groups, and this is turning more of a nonprofit lens than a commercial lens, but um, we're fortunate to be in a position, at least for right now, where we can, we can live our values, we can pay our people, not forever, if we can't get the theaters reopened, but in the, in the short term. Um, but there has to be, out of all of this, a way that we can re-examine how vulnerable our, our independent artists are and, and, and how, how do we protect them better so that when it, something catastrophic like this happens, they are not left completely at the mercy of, you know, what can get passed through Congress. You right. know, um, it's- I, I, I did this, uh, I started working with Actors' Equity about, you know, they were, they were trying to get artists to talk to staffers in Congress to really try to like have us included in this stimulus package in a, in a broader sense. And, you know, one of the things that we were talking about, um, when they were sort of, uh, you know, they testing me. So I, to see how much knowledge I had, um, was that there is a wide misconception that if you were an, an actor, um, even on Broadway, that you're a millionaire. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And it's an ignorance to our 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 world and in our business, you know, model. And we really have to. I mean, in a smaller sense, we know that we're not. We know that we're here and doing it because we love it. But when you see people on stage and you see them doing something fantastical and they're these huge, big budget musicals, and you know, um, you think, well, of course, they're like Tom Cruise, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of my friends who are on Broadway shows have roommates because they can't afford their, you know, they can't afford to live in New York if they don't. Or they rely on um, a partner who helps supplement income. And I think that that's a bigger sort of, we're in the service industry, much like a lot of these other, you know, small businesses. We're, we're those people who are, you know, I don't, I don't, my skill set is different from an Uber driver. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But if you don't show up, I don't have a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that the way that we think about artists, even at, at differing scales, should be looked at. You know, Broadway is not going to get the support that the film industry is going to get or the TV industry, because I don't have to tell you why, but those, those actors are going to have residuals that they're going to be able to fall back on. Right. And because they're so they're household names, there are endorsements that come with that. You know, there are things that they can do and things that they're collecting on that were shot many, many years ago that they're still collecting on. Mm-hmm. And for us, we're an immediate sort of piece of art that has to exist in that moment. And that's the only way that we're going to get paid. That's the bigger thing for, I think, those people who don't understand what we do. We're, mm-hmm. we are a niche group within the, the entertainment industry. Yeah. How, uh, so Broadway's uh, reopening has been pushed back mm-hmm. to at least June, right? Mm-hmm. And then obviously waiting and seeing how things evolve between now and then. Yep. Um, are you, I mean, I'm just curious, you don't have to go into any details. Have the, have the producers been in good contact with you about their plans? Yeah, they have actually, you know, and Actors Equity has also sent out for anyone who was in a Broadway show uh, when the shutdown happened, uh, they basically, Actors Equity said that all contact, all contracts would, would, go back into effect, we'd pick up right where we left off, mm-hmm. unless your contract ends by the time we get back to work. And if so, if you do not want to um, continue in that show, then you should let someone know. They gave people the option. And so specifically for me, I mean, my contract is up in June, the last right. week of June. Um, and before this all happened, I was, I was readying to leave the show. And so I have, you know, three and a half months, almost four months left on my contract. And the producers were very open and said, you know, we know that you were going to leave. If you want to leave before we get back, we understand. Um, but, you know, on a personal note, um, because my company was ravaged by COVID, there is something about, um, well, I'm getting emotional about it, but like claiming the stage again. Mm-hmm. After that has happened, especially when we almost lost Danny, um, there's something about that that I know that I couldn't let it, it can't happen without me there. Mm-hmm. We all have to be able to look each other in the eyes and, and uh, remind ourselves that we made it through. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good thing for our, our industry uh, that... When, when it does open up, we're one of the first shows that comes out. Um, outside of that, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm my, there's so many things. I, I'm far along enough in my career and there's nothing that I have to prove anymore. So transitioning is always an option. So I'm, I'm always looking to see how I can better the world and, you know, I'd love to think that it would be on a stage somewhere, um, reflecting society and educating people. And, um, but if not, then I will learn a trade. Yeah. You know, you're talking about, um, having nothing to prove. I, I have been thinking, I mean, thinking about you regardless, but especially right now, um, thinking about the fact that 
were things other than they are, uh, you would be in the midst of a big Tony campaign gearing up. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, and I will be very honest with you. I, I, Tony campaigns are not fun. No. I mean, that's campaigning for anything is just a lot of work. And then you add, you know, your show schedule to that. And then you're just doing two jobs and one of them you don't get paid for. So I was not, um, I, you know, I know the contract that I signed and I know that that is something that is my job to do. I have to promote the show and I'm proud of the show. So I was going to do so, but, um, on a personal level, it's just a lot of work. And so I'm, I'm glad that we're all, I'm glad that all of us who are doing shows, um, don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, there was talk at one point that the Tonys, if they did come back, they would be about celebrating all shows. And personally, I kind of feel like that's what it always should be. Mm -hmm. You cannot put, you know, Adrian Warren and Elizabeth Stanley together and go, one is better than the other. And Katrina right. Link. No, they do. It's like comparing sunsets. It, it's not a possibility. What they do is so different. So why would you put them up against each other? Um, what we should be doing is saying, oh my God, we're artists in this day and age and in this, you know, this government, we managed to, to do the thing that is almost impossible. Let's throw a party. <laughs> Let's celebrate that we exist still, that they haven't been able to take away so much funding that, you know, we're dinosaurs. <sighs> yeah, I'll say it again. Karen Oliva for president. Um, <laughs> Uh, before we wrap up, I was just curious if there's anything, um, aside from your cute puppy that is sort of feeding you these days, it can be physically feeding you. It can be emotionally, spiritually, creatively feeding you. Is there anything you're kind of leaning on? Yeah. I am doing, uh, a grotesque amount of felting. <laughs> um, and I'm actually, I'm getting pretty good at it. I mean, there is also the it's really therapeutic to uh, shove needles into something over and over. Rapidly. <laughs> um, and I think because of that, I'm getting out a lot of aggression, <laughs> but I'm also, I'm making flowers and stuff like that. So I'm so ready for spring and then summer that I am ushering it in slowly on my own in this tiny little studio. Um, yeah. That's kind of all that I'm doing. Also, and I'm trying to learn how to use my social media more effectively um, because I've, I realize I am, uh, not that I need to be, you know, an influencer, but I just need to actually know what the buttons do. Mm -hmm. um, and I need to like not delete people from account. Like I, I'm, I'm that person. So I'm slowly trying to get better at it. Wonderful. <laughs> um, I, I love it. I'm so grateful to you for, for having this conversation with us. I'm, you know, I, I so wish that, um, the circumstances were different, but it is awfully nice to know that you're back down the street after you've been gone for a year. Um, we've missed you around here and, and, um, it is, it is nice to have you back in Madison. Uh, but we will be, you know, sending you back with, with cheers and love to, uh, retake the stage when when the right time comes so thank you thank you and uh i think we'll say that that's it for this episode of theater forward a conversation about theater in wisconsin 
the Midwest and America. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jenna Hoff Gray, um, and I want to urge you to follow us or share your thoughts or ask questions. Let us know how you're coping right now. Um, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Theater Forward, as Mike Fisher would say, as always, with an ER. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Be sure to leave a review. Um, but most of all, we are grateful to have you listening. We hope that you are home and safe, and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.